2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Well, good afternoon, happy Monday to you. Hope it's been a glorious day for you. All is well here atop Green Tree Hill. Kath, good to see you as well. Um,
4: pretty gray day, John, but gray, it's gray. picking up right now. Yeah,
3: well, it's fine out there.
4: It was pretty uh, down in the dumps this morning. <laughs> Didn't you think?
3: That's, you know, it's part of April, is it not?
4: I guess it April is. April showers. I guess it is. We're
3: waiting for Mayflowers.
4: I heard you took a uh, trip over the weekend.
3: I did. I went, uh, spent the weekend with some friends. We went to Lancaster. Uh, Lancaster. Lancaster. Mm-hmm. We went to Lancaster. Uh. And um, <laughs> we went to uh, Sight and Sound where we oh, saw yeah? Moses.
4: Which and, you and I had seen before with yes. a group of our listeners. Mm-hmm. We took a trip, what? Five years ago. Five six, or six years, years ago. ago, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And uh, saw it again. Loved it. Highly recommended. The stagecraft off the charts. Really beautiful piece of Anything
4: theater. different than when we saw it?
3: Mm, yeah, several things. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: So it'd be worth seeing again. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, you know, it's five or six years. Like, I remember a lot of it, right? Most of it, it slipped away. But no, really, well worth the visit. If you've never been, this is not a commercial, but I'm just saying, if you've never been to sight or sound, sight and sound. So
4: if you've never been to sight or sound.
3: <laughs> right. I would highly recommend you do both of them. Yeah.
4: <laughs> At the same time. Very
3: much so, yeah. And then the following day, we spent the night in Lancaster. 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 And uh, we uh, had a little breakfast and then walked around the market in downtown Lancaster.
4: You know, I've never done that. What? Never done that.
3: Lovely. Really. uh, The architecture in that inner city is off the charts. And incredible. One church after another. Just Mm -hmm. really. I mean, I love the town. Really, really excellent.
4: I'd love to go back again. Mm Mm-hmm. We could have, you know, my husband show us
3: around. Right. He's a. born and bred. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. When you were there, we went and saw, which is not there anymore, Uh, a woman did a Chalk Talk, which I've only seen once. Oh, my gosh.
4: I thought that was going to be so silly, and it was so incredible.
3: It was incredible. It
4: was incredible. Mm -hmm. And she's not doing that anymore. No, uh uh,
3: no, no. Uh, Also, we took the railroad, which we did not. You did the Strasburg Railroad? No, we did not. Oh, you
4: didn't? Okay. We didn't, no love the Strasburg yeah,
3: railroad. But very nice. And you know,
4: I, on I'll... a sunny day in the spring, mm. the Strasburg railroad, it's it's the most gorgeous part of Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. It is rolling So hills.
3: beautiful. Do you remember when we were there we saw like sheep running yeah. by? I mean that was so cool.
4: Oh, and it's so green. Mm-hmm. It's just Verdant. it's really really spectacular. Lush, yeah. yeah. Now if you're there uh, on July twentieth, and it's one hundred and two, mm. which I've also done. Really, you can't really enjoy the green beauty around you because you're barely alive.
3: <laughs> Central Pennsylvania uh, is it fair to call that? Or is no, that, is Eastern. it East Eastern Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. A lot of Philadelphians there.
4: That's the only vibe. vibe.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, you Philly have to vibe. kind of overlook that.
3: Yeah, my wife was like, what's going on? I was like, oh, this is Philly vibes. She was like, oh, okay, say no more. Yeah, And then we were we were just fine. That's anyway, really nice weekend and happy to be away. And hey, thanks for being here on Friday. Yeah,
4: yeah, we had a fun time on the Friday thanks show. So. Very nice. Yeah, we have a great show ahead of us today. Um, in the five o'clock hour of the program, we're going to talk about um, the Tree of Life. Uh, case. The trial is getting underway today.
3: Jury selection Jury starts selection. today. Yep.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Burge will be with us. Uh, we'll talk about losing faith in institutions. And does that correspond with people losing faith in God? You know, Very we know pe- people don't have the same, you know, uh, people don't feel about the Boy Scouts the way they did. People don't feel the same way about the Catholic Church that they did. People don't feel the same way about the country club. I mean, just a whole lot of things. Right. You name the institution, people are down on it. Does that mean people are down on God, too? Right.
3: Yeah. And hey, I also want to say, send a shout out. We were uh, yesterday down at uh, First Presbyterian Church.
4: In yeah, downtown Pittsburgh, downtown Pittsburgh. For
3: the 250th celebration, right? The oldest church here in the city of Pittsburgh is wonderful. Pastor Tom Hall, he's a friend of ours. He uh, delivered a beautiful sermon, a great celebration. So fabulous there.
4: Yeah, and mm. more about that coming up at mm-hmm. 425 today. Um oh, that's very nice. um,
3: Newsday? There's Newsday. A few going on, right? Yeah,
5: there's a lot. Should we say uh, the
3: bucks are in first place? Yep. First place, Pirates. I know I it's only it. April. It doesn't you know? matter. No. I was all Were geeked. they in
4: first place last year? No,
3: Ever? they weren't. No. Nope. No, two consecutive 100 loss seasons. Let me be happy. It's like giving a uh, a man dying of thirst a jug of water. Fine, glug, 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 glug. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. I'll take it. All right, without further ado, Kath, news stories for the day. Please give us the top four at four
4: for Monday, April twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. As I already said, number one, jury selection underway in the Tree of Life uh, massacre trial. Shortly before 10 a.m., as we remember, back in October of 2018, uh, the defendant entered a synagogue right there on Shady Avenue and Wilkins, armed with an AR-15, three handguns. He began killing people who had gathered early. Uh, This man is 50 years old. He faces 63 counts, including 11 counts each of obstruction of the free exercise of religious beliefs, resulting in death and committing a hate crime resulting in death. He has pleaded not guilty. In court filings, his lawyers said, and I'm reading here from the Wall Street Journal, that he had offered to plead plead guilty and serve multiple life sentences if prosecutors would agree not to seek the death penalty. Now, that's interesting because seven of the nine families whose relatives were murdered wrote a letter in 2021 to Attorney General Merrick Garland saying that they support the death penalty for Mr. Bowers. Uh, People in the three... uh, congregations differ though they don't agree on it the board of Dor hadash sent a letter to mr garland opposing the death penalty in the case the trial comes as anti-semitic incidents are on the rise uh 3697 such in- incidents in 2022 which is a 36 percent increase from the previous year number two Fighting in Sudan, John, between forces loyal to two rival generals has triggered a mass exodus of foreigners. Mm. A number of countries, including the U.S., the U.K., Sweden, Spain, the Netherlands, Japan, Italy, Germany, France, and Canada are airlifting and evacuating diplomats, embassy staff, and others from the capital. Both the U.S. and Canadian governments have also announced temporary suspensions of operations at their embassies in Khartoum. 16,000 Americans are still there. Really? 16,000. Now, a lot of these apparently are people that grew up there work there families are there they want to stay there so um it's a little bit dicey for the state department i guess to figure out exactly how many are there and what to do um and then of course the sudanese civilians are trapped in the crossfire many of them risking their lives trying to get the heck out of the country um you can read more about that in uh pretty much the news site of your choice but i took this from abc number three The Supreme Court today, John, agreed to take up a pair of court fights involving public officials who block their critics on social media and whether elected officials can be sued by users who lost the ability to interact with those accounts. The issue of public officials blocking followers who criticize them on Facebook and or Twitter and whether this crosses a constitutional line was at the center of a lawsuit brought against former President Trump in 2017. Back then, a federal appeals court in New York ruled that Trump violated the First Amendment when he blocked his critics on Twitter. The former president asked the Supreme Court to weigh in in 2020, but the high court ordered the case to be thrown out. And then Trump, of course, is out of office. The case was moot. Now they have the chance to clarify how government officials can interact with constituents when it hears cases, two cases, involving two local officials, one from Southern California and Michigan, who blocked voters from their Facebook and Twitter pages Hmm. from CBS News. And number four, in case you've had your head in a hole... The Pirates are in first place, riding an MLB best seven game winning streak oh, yeah. and swept back to back series for the first time in almost five years. Oh, yeah. Off to their best start in three decades, and that's your top four.
3: Four. Very nice. Mm-hmm.
4: Sixteen and seven.
3: Mm-hmm. I know it's only April. Uh, let me be Thank happy. You. Thank you. Let
4: mm-hmm. me be happy is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. It's
4: super exciting. Nine of their last 11. They've gone 13-4 and since April 7th. Um, They're off today.
3: It's a long, long haul, right? Yes. I mean, the first week of October, let's see where things stand. But there's reason for optimism, that's all. Just a little bit of fresh air.
4: Okay, let me give you a little comparison to last year. I'm reading here from the Trib. Are Mm -hmm. you ready? Yes. The Pirates didn't clinch their 16th win last year until May 18th.
3: <laughs> May eighteenth, mm-hmm. okay. In sir. their
4: thirty seventh game of the season,
3: April twenty fourth. Only
4: the Tampa Bay Rays have more wins this season in mm-hmm. the major league,
3: and they went on a thirteen game, yeah. thirteen streak. Right? Yeah, that
4: was pretty impressive. Yes, it is. That was pretty impressive. And Derek Shelton's contract extended beyond this season. Excellent.
3: Yeah, come on, let's go, Bucks. Right? It just feels good to talk it a feels little baseball. Great pitching. That's the key.
4: Starting pitching, man. I mean, lights out. Beyond six innings repeatedly over and over i'm getting used to it
3: yeah me too i'm just
4: getting used to it whatever we were doing last year when some guy would come in and pitch like one and two thirds and then they have to bring somebody else in. we're not doing that right
3: now feels good it surely does really okay we'll take a quick break as we do every monday we go directly to the white house where greg clugston from srn news will give us a look at the headlines in and around the nation's capital and around the globe it's the ride home For Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on 101.5 Word FM.
6: 101.5 W O R D.
3: Well done, good and faithful servant.
0: Every believer longs to hear that from Jesus. Dr. Charles Stanley has now heard those words from the Lord face to face after faithfully serving to the age of ninety and receiving his heavenly reward, April 18th. We treasure the life and ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley and invite you to pay tribute to his influence on you and your family's life by logging
1: on to our station website. Share your appreciation for the life and ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley by going to wordfm.com.
7: Moms, wow, aren't they special? Doesn't that word just warm your heart and make you feel loved? Hi, it's me, Marcia from The Spring House, and I am so blessed to get to work side-by-side with my mom every day in our family business. And right now, my mom and I are planning for a special day for you and your mom on Mother's Day. Every year on Mother's Day, we barbecue chicken quarters over the open pit outside with our secret butter sauce. Baked beans, corn pudding, coleslaw, macaroni salad, ho-ho cake, and more will bound inside to go long with that tasty, tender chicken. When I was a teenager and we first started cooking for crowds, all my mom wanted for Mother's Day was for us five kids to help get ready to make this a special day for our guests. So bring your family and come hungry to enjoy the wonderful farm fresh meal that we started all those years ago. Oh yeah, live music and free cones for moms too. Let us share a little of our farm with you. The Springhouse in 84 PA. 724 228 or springhousemarket.com.
8: It took a panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air. by calling or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text, 800-630-1495.
1: Every summer, Pine Valley Camp changes lives, not just for the more than 100 underserved kids who attend each week, but for the many high school and college-age volunteers and staff who work with them as lifeguards, cooks, camp counselors, and more. If you're 16 to 25, apply now and come help make an impact and change lives in a fun, safe Christian family Environment. Apply today at pinevalleycamp.org. Pine Valley Camp, rebuilding broken lives through Jesus Christ. In Beaver County, camp opens mid June.
3: Well, like, I guess on a riff from an old advertising campaign, does she or doesn't she? Only her hairdresser knows for sure. Maybe that's uh, Joe Biden. Well. Will he or won't he? Mm. Only his hairdresser knows for Mm -hmm. sure. Greg Clarkson joins us from SRN News for the White House. Greg, welcome back. Always happy to have you along here on a Monday.
2: Thank you, John. I'm not sure I even know who the president's hairdresser is Mm. to ask. He may not. Well, I'm sure he has Listen,
4: I feel like if you don't know Greg, then there's just no point in knowing. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I really feel that way.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Thank you.
4: Well, OK, regardless of who cuts the guy's hair, um, new polls in yeah. the country don't seem to want him and former President Trump to be squaring off.
2: Yeah, it's Again. Interesting. there have been a, a couple of polls in just the last few days. Uh, AP N.O.R.C. had a poll last week. NBC News within the last 24 hours uh, in a poll. And this NBC poll shows that, uh, you know, not only do not, do, do most Americans not want to see a rematch from, from 2020 come out again in, in 2024 between Biden and Trump? But what's interesting is when it comes to Biden, and we've talked about this before, but this is it, it continues to be uh, reinforced with the survey after survey. A, a lot of people just don't want Joe Biden to run again, and that's not only Republicans or independents. It's about half of Democrats mm-hmm. who continue to get surveyed as well. So according to NBC News... An overwhelming 70 percent of those that they asked, including 51 percent of Democrats, don't think that Biden should run for a second term. And nearly half of those respondents cite his age as a a main concern. He is 80 years old. He would be 82 on the next inauguration day if he were to be reelected. And if he served a full second term, 86 years old at the end of that term. So it's interesting because age is a factor it, it has been talked about it's one of those sensitive issues obviously in politics it's also sensitive uh but it's out there right
3: I mean you, you don't want to be you know, be accused of ageism but the I, 86 years old that is very, very old. I think very few people are operating at the top of their game, let alone running the the, the country in the world.
4: There's an age limit on when an airline pilot has to retire, right? I right. think it's 75, maybe? No, I, th- I think no. it's much younger than really? that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, because he's responsible for the lives of so many people. Right. Or she, forgive me, is uh, responsible for the lives of so many people. You you could argue the president responsible for many more lives than that. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know. Is there any sense Okay, okay are, do we know for sure that he's going to declare Biden?
2: Okay, all the signs are are that he's going to. In fact, it's what the campaign calls or in campaigns in general call a soft launch, meaning we tomorrow are expecting to see a video announcement really? uh with with Biden's voice, with his picture, you know, with other images and symbolism of what a, a campaign would run. Uh, just a few minutes ago um, at the White House following an event, uh, he was asked by reporters, and he said, I told you I was going to run, and uh, stay tuned, you'll find out real soon. And so we've been hearing since late last week that tomorrow is likely the day for this, what they call a the soft launch, this video And that at some point later, there would be a formal speech where the president would also be announcing his plans. But essentially, by announcing tomorrow, then that allows him to start fundraising if he wants to. I mean,
3: I'm with most of the people in the poll, Greg. I mean, whether it's Biden or Trump, I don't want to see a repeat again. I think it's time to turn the page reset.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that does seem to be a prevailing attitude right now. On the age issue, it's interesting because the New York Times had an editorial uh, this weekend talking about this, and they said that, uh, you know, in the past, and and Biden has been asked directly about this over the last year or two a couple of times, and and his stock answer is "Watch me." In other words, he says, "I'm fit. I'm able to do the job. Watch me. Observe, and 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 tell me if if I can't do it." Well, the New York Times opinion page, editorial page says that the president has really given voters very few chances to do that, especially in terms of formal press conferences, taking Mm -hmm. tough questions and follow-up questions, and not just these on on the way out to the helicopter or uh, at the end of an event, just taking one or two questions and he gives a five- or six-word answer. Um, And and this this White House has been criticized for really uh, reining in, The president's uh, interaction, not only just with the public, but also with uh, especially with reporters in the national media as well. And so you get The New York Times saying that uh, we need to see more of uh, an active president, uh, especially going forward in the campaign. Right. So,
3: So there you are in the White House, Greg. I mean, has the president held any significant press conferences in the years he's been president, President Biden?
2: He he has held one or two. Now, oftentimes we'll have a, a a dual press conference when you have a visiting head of state. Sure. And typically there are only four questions at those events: two Softball. questions for the president and two for the uh, t- for the guest who's there. Uh, but um, I I remember there being one or two, uh, but no more than that. In fact, the the New York Times goes on to say that in terms of of of, of regular formal press conferences. Uh, that have been tabulated by uh, people that, you know, cover and uh, tabulate those kinds of events, uh, that Biden it, falls willfully short compared to his modern predecessors over the last, say, 20, 25 years.
3: Right, which would say that his yeah. handlers right. don't want him out there right. speaking, you know, extemporaneously, because you never know what's going to happen, come kind of come out of his mouth.
2: And it's interesting the, too. go ahead. Greg. I'm sorry, Kathy. But, you know, if you think uh, rewind here to the to the last election, um, of course, we were still really sort of in the throes of the pandemic and the Biden campaign, the presidential campaign was was very scaled back in terms of of, of crowds mm-hmm. and events and that kind of thing. It's going to be interesting to see what their strategy is this time. Obviously, the pandemic uh, is not what it was back uh, leading up to the 2020 election. Uh, and he not only is going to be a candidate for president, but also still holding down the job at the same time.
4: I don't know, Greg. To me, when I think about a tr- another Trump Biden election, I think it just shows the poverty of the two parties and what, you know, the other options that there are in the country. I, I, I don't know. It, there has to be a deeper pool than what we're already seeing.
2: Sure. When you look at the Democratic side, of course, when you have an incumbent president who is making all sorts of noise about running for reelection, that essentially freezes the party. Now right. you've got the Marianne Williamson's and you have the RFK juniors. Those are essentially symbolic you know, runs for the president. So, right, right. you know, Biden is going to be essentially unopposed on the Republican side this time around. Uh, we only have a couple of or so, uh, you know, serious uh, names of candidates who have you know put their names in the hat. Uh, people like Nikki Haley and then others that are are still thinking about this in terms of Senator Tim Scott, uh, Mike Pence. And you've got also uh, former Governor Chris Christie, who is really taking a look at this. He he doesn't think Ron DeSantis is maybe going to uh, to pan out too well in the GOP. Christie is is really is really considering if there is a lane for him. But even when you mention those names, Kathy, a lot of them have have run or tried before or or maybe aren't considered uh, viable candidates this time around. And it just begs the question, who else is there? Right. Well, as
3: they say, time will tell. Right. I mean, uh, the next uh, five, six months, things will start to crystallize for sure. Let's move forward, Greg, and talk about uh, what's happening about the abortion pill access. This has been before the Supreme Court. A lot of people have opined about this. Please fill us in.
2: Sure really the the quick update on that John, uh from what we talked about last week is uh it, it reached the supreme Court and and the issue uh before the the justices, but not not the Texas court case itself in terms of the merits of that case, what the justices were deciding last week and they made the announcement on Friday evening uh had to do with whether or not restrictions that lower courts were wanting to place on access to the abortion pill should be put in place while the litigation plays out. And the justices said, no, the abortion access should remain as is while these uh, issues are, are going through the court. So the Texas case is still active. It's going to have to go through the normal process. But the Supreme Court weighed in to say, while that process takes place, the uh, access to the abortion pill, mifepristone Priststone, will remain as it was. I see
4: And, uh, of course, we read that most of the abortions done in America are done through that pill. Sure.
2: sure. And, you know, the the heart of the Texas case has to do with whether or not the FDA approval process uh, is valid concerning this drug. And a lot of pro-lifers and and others are essentially arguing that uh, there are safety issues involved here. Aside from the fact of whether you know abortion should be legal or not in the first place, but the procedure of approving this this drug is really at stake and then of course, there have been some rules changes ever since that drug was first approved by the fDA twenty twenty five years ago in terms of I- its access and and availability to be mailed out to people and a lot of people simply get this drug uh, in the mail now, so yeah the 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 accessibility has really Changed quite a bit over the last couple of decades.
3: SRN News White House correspondent Greg Clugston is with us. Greg, in the remaining couple of minutes here, uh, let's talk about the debt ceiling. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about that. Is this going to happen? This feels as though it happens every couple of years. We reach a stalemate. There's this little back and forth, and then they uh, you know, acquiesce, and they just kick the can down the road. We're at that point once again.
2: We are. It's, it's the threat of a debt default, uh, and that crisis, and it would be a crisis by anybody's account, essentially, who knows about this. Uh, and, and the issue is th- the Congress needing to approve uh, a lift of the ceiling, an increase of the borrowing a cap or amount uh, to pay the bills that the country has already racked up. And what the Republicans in the House are wanting to do and have done is put together a plan that would do that, But also have some strings attached. They want to make some specific budget cuts. They want to go to some of the legislation that President Biden has signed into law and uh, take out some of those those key components. Of course, the White House, you know, it doesn't it it opposes this. It it doesn't want any strings attached. It simply wants a clean vote by lawmakers to say, yes, we're going to raise the debt ceiling to this. uh," And this has to happen here in the next couple of months. And here's the thing, John and Kathy, this bill, this proposal from uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker and, and the Republicans that was announced last week, uh, it's probably going to get voted on in the House this week. And if it passes, it would go to the Senate where nobody expects it to pass. And even if it were to pass there, it would get rejected by President Biden at the White House. So this is symbolic in a lot of ways. It lays down some markers for Republicans, but ultimately the two sides, the House Republicans especially, and President Biden at the White House, they're gonna have to sit down and negotiate this. Right. so if I ran my household budget like this, I'd have no debt ceiling, I'd
3: just have to get a second job, mm-hmm. right? And a third job. Right.
4: Thank you. Sure. Uh, Greg, after about 18 minutes of airtime with you, let's finally get onto the stuff that really matters. Um, yeah, exactly. As a fan exactly. of the Washington Nationals and Seattle Mariners, you might not be aware of the uh, first place Pittsburgh Pirates. First place. So, I d- first place. Hey, That's first congratulations, place. Uh, second, <laughs> second best record in the MLB, in case you need to know more about that. Um, do, are, are you tracking with our team?
2: Not really. You know, I I haven't been tracking. Are you in the Central National League? Central? We are. What kind of question yeah. is that? We, sh- yeah, we, we really should
4: be
3: in the Eastern Division, but we are oddly in the Central. Yeah, we're in the in Central. Central. Yeah, right.
4: Pennsylvania. Well, at least
2: I got the right division. Yeah,
4: yeah, you did. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you? I I mean, are you you want to give us any?
2: You got nothing. Happy
4: New like any congratulatory <laughs> anything? <got> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Not one thing.
2: No, I, no, I'm I'm happy for Pittsburgh. Um, uh, God bless you. Boy, that Again, took a lot
4: to get that out of you, though.
2: <laughs> well, I know. And here's here's the reason I, I grew up as an American League mm. uh, yeah, sports oh, team. Yeah. Fan.
3: So, yeah, that's a whole other, like a universe, the yeah. National League, isn't it? So,
2: we're the same it's way. It's not that I exactly i i i really don't have any uh any yeah. gripes against the national league teams i just don't follow them as closely as sure. what's happening over it's in the American. be I different mean, if we were yeah. yankee fans
4: yeah i mean until this season and now you're going to be following cause, right yeah
3: yeah let's uh um, let's go bucks is let's, what we're saying greg there we go let's and go go how about <laughs> do they say let's go nats is that the
2: deal they, they go say, say let's go nats they what do, do they say yeah.
4: in seattle let's go
2: mariners let's go m's m's, m's. Oh, it's okay. the M's. Is it the M's? All right, that's fine. Their Thank slogan you. the last couple of years has been, see us rise, with S-E-A as the Oh, C-S-R-I-S. little
3: play on words there. You oh, see. okay. Huh? Well, you know, it's global warming. So everything's <laughs> rising. Yes. Everything's going to getting all wet.
4: <laughs> nice to see you, Greg.
3: You too. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Greg. Greatly appreciate Greg Clarkson, SRN News White House correspondent. Information about SRN News, wordfm.com or srnnews.com.
5: Can you hear it? The cry of those living in darkness, in desperate need of hope. As their cries go up, we here at Cornerstone Television long to answer. We believe God is calling each of us for such a time as this to rise up and come to the battle line with the hope of Jesus Christ. Don't miss Cornerstone's Hope Arising special programming with Pastor Jim, Jason Howard, Matt Sorger, Apostle Connie Brooks, and Jay Gilbert. This is a special invitation for you to come to the battle line with us, to link arms and see hope arise. Our mission to reach the nations remains strong, but we can't fulfill our mission without you. Tune in April 24th through 28th at 8 p.m. and discover how to be a strong force of light in the darkness. Watch Hope Arising on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Verizon Fios Channel 505 or Channel 805 on Comcast Xfinity.
1: In business, everything your employees do impacts your brand, including what they wear. Cintas has high-performance workplace apparel for almost every job imaginable. From work
0: shirts and pants, to polos and khakis, to Oxfords or T-shirts, these clothes move, breathe, and look great. Your team gets the styles they like, you convey the image you
1: want. And Cintas service includes weekly laundry and delivery. To learn more, visit Cintas.com.
5: Oh, I'm
2: ready!
1: And get ready for the workday.
5: Here's how we long for Skechers hands-free slip-in footwear.
0: The world has gone hands-free. However, if you want to put on a pair of sneakers, you still need to bend down and help your feet in. Until now. Introducing Skechers hands-free slip-in footwear. You don't need to reach down to help your heel in. You just step into them and off you go. So what's the secret? Well, there's a special smooth comfort pillow in the heel that helps your foot slide into place. And they stay on just like a pair of
9: laced-up sneakers. Get hands-free slip-ins at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold.
10: Terry, we're here from the Gateway Clipper. Celebrate mom with a family aboard a Mother's Day cruise, sailing Sunday, May 14th. All moms will receive a special gift from all of us at the Clipper. For reservations, visit GatewayClipper.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? What is right?
8: Call it right.
10: 724 New
11: Roof.
6: 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the Word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Thousands of young people are dying from counterfeit
7: prescription drugs laced with lethal doses of fentanyl.
11: Never take a pill unless it comes from your pharmacist. We lost my 18-year-old son, who had a very bright future ahead of him, and it was stolen.
7: Just one counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl can kill. Visit OnePillKilled.org.
11: OnePillKilled.org.
7: OnePillKilled.org to learn more.
1: A freeze warning remains in effect late tonight through tomorrow morning. Becoming clear and cold tonight. Early vegetation can be damaged by a freeze, the low 31. Clouds and sun tomorrow with a high of 56. Plenty of clouds tomorrow night. Couple of late night showers, low 37. The shower and spots Wednesday morning. Otherwise, sun and clouds at a high of 56. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
3: Yesterday morning we ventured downtown Pittsburgh to Sixth Avenue to celebrate the two hundred and fiftieth anniversary of First Presbyterian Church.
4: Yes, that's a correct number. Yes. Two hundred and fiftieth.
3: Are any is there anything else in Pittsburgh no. that's two hundred and fifty years old? I don't think so. Maybe the fort. Fort Duquesne, Duquesne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 250 years, a wonderful celebration. Reverend Tom Hall, you may know Tom Hall, been a guest on our show over the many years. Fabulous, what an incredibly gorgeous church! The celebration, I get chills, seriously. I mean, the music, the scripture, the preaching, the people just off the charts. Absolutely wonderful.
4: I'm so happy that you were Mm, able to do that. Sure was. It's so many. And then after the service,
3: after the service. You, This was RSVP, you know, you could have, like Tom said, I think he joined us two weeks ago, the faithful of First Prez came out of the church, and they were escorted up 6th Avenue with a bagpipe cadre, drums, fife. They walked up 6th Avenue to the William Penn, where they had a luncheon. I did not go to lunch.
4: That sounds wonderful. Oh, my God! What a little jewel box of a place.
3: Gorgeous church. I mean, stained glass it's just the wood.
4: The the doors at the front of the sanctuary are out of control. Beautiful.
3: Uh, I've got. I took the. No, um, oh,
4: yeah, I have it here.
3: Fifty years ago, Billy Graham preached there. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it, it has been the site of many, many people walking through those front doors and calling First Presbyterian Church my church. Yeah. So congratulations to First Presbyterian.
4: Wow. Well that's super exciting. And I'm sure you saw people from all over oh Pittsburgh. My gosh. People from I know that there are people from twenty six states or something. People that came in came from came, California,
3: yeah. Yellowstone, all over the place. People who you know, this was part of my spiritual life. Yeah. And wanted to show up to honor the church. So Just really excellent.
4: Well, that's really terrific. Congratulations to everybody there. We love Tom Hall. Sure do. Um, Everybody, I'm sure, there is taking a day of relaxation (laughs) after all
3: that celebration yesterday. Coming up next, the Book of Lamentations. C.J. Williams will join us from RPTS. Straight ahead, it's The Ride Home.
6: 101.5 WORD.
0: This week on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll
1: starts a brand new series about marriage and the family.
11: Where do we start if we hope to have a strong and healthy marriage? We need to
8: seek the advice of the one who originated marriage, God
1: himself. Chuck Swindoll is talking about restoring your family's foundation this week on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD.
2: Doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling, specializing in roof replacements for churches and places of worship for nearly 40 years. For the church roof
1: replacement specialists in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, call 724 New Roof today for a free quote.
6: We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's $5,000, 50000 or 500000 we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids, no matter where you are, call now. 800-575-6745. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at tra.com or call 800-575-6745. That's 800-575-6745. Tax Relief Advocates, real solutions for real people.
10: People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I should be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 98 98 and get a free info kit on gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this. So just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898. 98, 98, and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times. Roofing, siding, or remodeling?
8: 724
10: New Roof.
4: of the books in the old testament that i think gets short shrift a lot of the time is uh the book of lamentations um i think in large part we're just not familiar with the kind of literature it is so we go to read it and we're like wait a minute what you know so it's not narrative um a lot of people like i used to be don't read poetry so it doesn't make any sense um and a lot of people don't want to read a book about Grieving and sadness, and you can tell by the title that that's, <laughs> that's what, what it, it is, right? It's a lament. It's a bunch of laments right. <laughs> that are put together. You know,
3: hey, I, I really am in the mood for some lament.
4: I think that when things go wrong in our lives, um, if we've only read First uh, Corinthians 13, or we've only read about the resurrection, or we've only read First uh, John, um, then we miss out. On, Like, we don't have a biblical basis for what happens to us when we struggle. If we just focus on happy biblical passages, then first of all, we probably think that our life is going to be only happy. But second of all, we only resonate with the Bible in happy times without realizing that there is a huge compendium of portions in the Bible which help us when we grieve.
3: Yes, we all suffer. It's good to have like-minded suffering surround us. Dr. C.J. Williams is with us. He's professor of Old Testament Studies at Reform Presbyterian Theological Seminary here in the East End part of the city of Pittsburgh. His new work is called The Shadow of Christ in the Book of Lamentations. C.J., welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you.
4: Can you talk, C.J., first about what kind of literature Lamentations is?
12: Well, Lamentations is uh, prophetic literature, um, but it's also a uh, it's a very unique book. It is uh, a, a lament and it uh, stands in a category all its own. And I believe its purpose ultimately is to give us an example of grieving with faith and to basically instruct us how to how to find hope in the midst of our trials.
3: This is very timely, is it not? Um it- CJ, is this something that you picked up in the threat of the pandemic and thought, I need to inform and engage about Lamentations? Uh, it feels as though the world's uh, hell in a handbasket.
12: <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a useful uh, study, um, because we're told in Scripture that we we do not throw as those who have no hope. And so Scripture must give us some direction on how to grieve with hope and how to find hope within our trials. And I think Lamentations is a really big part of that. It really gives us some solid direction in that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the world around us, we know grieving people. Um, We grieve ourselves in many different situations of life. And Uh, This is just an impactful book. It really is uh, just very encouraging to those, especially who are dealing with grief in their life.
3: Now, I'm glad you brought this up, because not to get too personal, but I I do know that as you're researching and writing the book, you yourself suffered a double loss.
12: Um, Absolutely, that's true. Um, So I preached through the Book of Lamentations uh, some time ago, and I uh, was really drawn into the book and uh, just fascinated by it. During that sermon series, uh, my father passed away. And I began work on the book shortly thereafter. My mother passed away. Hmm. And um, actually, it was the—I uh, <laughs> lost another one close to me. The very week that the book came out, uh, my brother passed away. Oh, wow, my I'm gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm And that, uh, that happened all within under two years. And— um, so the Lord really brought me and my family through a hard season of life. And uh, just in his providence, uh, I was immersed in the book of Lamentations. I found great comfort in it. I really did.
4: Hmm. What does it mean that you found great comfort in it? I'm thinking of people who are listening to the program. Maybe they're, they hmm. haven't never read the Bible or they haven't gone to church. And they're thinking, well, what, hmm. what comfort does reading an a super old book uh, about <laughs> grief do for you?
12: yeah it is it is a difficult book and um but you know one of the lessons it teaches us is um, is about finding hope in the midst of our trials and and showing us really what it is and where to find it you know hope isn't just optimism that things will get better, but hope is the confidence that grace will prevail because of the gracious character of god and I think that thread that theme is woven throughout the book that it it reaches its pinnacle of course in Lamentations 3, the very famous verse, uh, His compassions fail not, they're new every morning, great is their faithfulness, therefore I hope in Him. Mm-hmm. Right? The faithfulness of God means He's true to His promises, and that's the foundation of our hope. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's one of the great themes of this book, and to to recognize that hope is to, it's not merely a change of outlook, but it's a transformation of our hearts as we learn to really find rest in God's faithful character and his sure promises.
3: Yes. And that would define our Christian walk, would it not? I mean, without without hope, that well, then we fall off the ends, but we do need hope to sustain us to see the other day, the next day, and of course, eternal salvation in Christ is our great hope.
12: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the amazing thing about the book of Lamentations, which scripture reinforces elsewhere, is that when we do experience grief or loss, those are particular seasons in which God does reveal his grace to us and his goodness to us in new and unexpected ways, and does give us hope. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah, We're talking with C.J. Williams about his brand new work called The Shadow of Christ in the Book of Lamentations. C.J. is from the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But C.J., so... What you just told us about the loss of your parents and your brother, deeply intimate as you're going through the book of Lamentations and and writing The Shadow of Christ, it had to give you strength to know that so many others have gone before you, and there on the page is the strength that was necessary for these deep periods of mourning, which I'm sure you're still going through.
12: Absolutely. Um, that We're reassured that we're not alone in the experience Mm. of grief and hardship in this world. and. Sometimes we isolate ourselves and we, we feel like we are alone, yeah but to recognize that that uh, believers go through this, all people go through this and um, and and the Lord ministers to our hearts in these situations in very particular ways, and uh, we have one another to reach out to, um, you know to find that support that we have in in others of like minded uh of faith and like precious faith uh, we have each other and um And I think this book brings that out as well, uh, that um, we do not feel alone, but we have great resources in God's grace and in God's people.
4: CJ, you mentioned that it's a difficult book. Um There are some books in the scriptures that are more straightforward than this. What's the value in kind of making your way through a hard book? I think a lot of people now, you know, if you didn't, you know, have a liberal arts education, you know, I uh had a, a literature focus when I was in college. So I kind of, I had to make my way through hard books, but a lot of people now don't have to do that. Um So what's the value in it? And do you think it's worth it for the average person?
12: Uh-huh. It is a difficult book, and, uh, you know, it's a book about grief and suffering, and um, it's an Old Testament book written in, you know, some, in some ways it's difficult to understand. It's not the book that people instinctively turn to. You mentioned earlier, you know, we want to read happy passages. We want to turn to Philippians. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but this book is a real gem, and it is, uh, it's one of those books that I think a lot of people have a lot of room left to rediscover. Mm. And it really presents the gospel in just a profound way. And there's, it's so rewarding to dig into a book like this that maybe you haven't ever read, or maybe you only read once and just sort of shrugged your shoulders and said, I don't know what that's about. But to really pause and to give it some time, uh, this is a, just a, maybe to a lot of people an undiscovered treasure. And it's, it's, it's so rewarding uh, because it's a book like no other, and I think it provides such a very specific need to, to the believer when it speaks about grief and how to grieve with hope. Mm. And we need to hear that. We need to hear that uh, at several points in our lives. You know, We will find ourselves in that place of suffering loss and grief. Yes.
3: We're talking with Dr. C.J. Williams from Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Uh, Dr. Williams, let's talk about RPTS. Uh, there you are on Penn Avenue uh, in the uh, east end part of the city. I mean, I've driven by it, I'm sure, thousands and thousands of times. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. In some ways, I would say it's probably um, little known here uh, in, this, in the city of Pittsburgh. Can you talk about RPTS and what you offer to students? Absolutely.
12: I think it's a, one of the best-kept secrets of the city It is a wonderful place to work. Um, You know, our motto is study under pastors. And so all the professors there are either current pastors or former pastors. And so our purpose is to really bring uh, that practical ministry aspect to the classroom. You know, we don't just teach theology and biblical studies. We do that. Uh, But uh, our real mission is to train men and women for various kinds of service in the kingdom of God, various ministries. And uh, so we bring that to the classroom. That's our hope, you know, and, and every year we we graduate men and women and, and send them out and doing kingdom work, and that's just very, very gratifying. So uh, it's a wonderful place to work and to study. Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's not just classroom learning, but a lot of uh, mentoring and discipleship goes on there. Mm-hmm. And it's just a real blessing, and it has been to me for my.
3: Seventeen years, though. Fabulous. What I'm struck about by it when I hear about RPTS is that several of Kath and I's friends ha- have earned a theology degree from RPTS, and it's been one class at a time, mm-hmm. one year for a one long year, time. Yeah, and there's someone who finally, you know, gets their seminary degree, and they've been attending RPTS for a decade or more.
12: <laughs> True. So we have a Master of Divinity degree, and some people turn it into a Master of Infinity degree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, we've, we've had students there that have taken just one class in the evening here and there. And um, before they know it, you know, <laughs> a decade has gone by, yes. but, uh, but, but we love it. We have full-time students, we have part-time students, uh, just students who are curious to... To learn a little more on their own and take one class here and one class there and that kind of diversifies the student body Fabulous. um but yeah we, we we love it when people just come and say hey i want to take this class just to learn a little bit more for my own edification excellent yeah.
3: well listen uh, dr williams congratulations mm-hmm. on the release of the shadow of christ in the book of lamentations the book is available now from crown and covenant publications the shadow of christ dr cj williams and for your 17 plus years at rpts and for sending out the call i mean rpts you can find it easily on the web rpts.edu highly recommend you stop by rpts.edu dr williams thanks so much again thank you very much it was a pleasure to talk to you the pleasure was ours truly
4: i'm excited about this book
3: me too do we not need to dig yes, deeper yes
4: do we not into our do we own really grief? do coming up next how much it costs to build a new house in each state
11: Hi, friends tom lewis for cross international with a great big thank you to everyone who gave in our campaign to reach rescue and bring hope and the gospel to children right there in haiti guatemala and nicaragua through cross international partners your gifts are literally transforming lives Now, there's still some work to be done. A lot of children waiting to be fed for the next year, receive clean water, a Christian education, other life-saving resources. And there's room for you to call right now, 866-806-2977. we still got a lot of children in this campaign that need your help. You can give on the web as well at wordfm.com, the cross-international banner, or one more time, here's the number to call, 866 806 2977.
8: Noble Gold Investments has made it their mission to stay on top of the most important economic news. Three bank runs in the last month. These are the second largest and third largest runs in history. The government is taking steps to guarantee all deposits. That means more money printing. Plus, the Fed is sitting on unrealized losses of $1.2 trillion on their $8.3 trillion bond portfolio. And the Fed will continue to raise interest rates even if they tank the economy. Do you know who are the only ones not afraid? The ones that are invested in gold with Noble Gold Investments. Gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control. Thousands have approached Noble Gold Investments to get their hands on gold. Hurry and go to NobleGoldInvestments.com to secure your wealth now. Use AIN Network as promo code if you want to get a free five ounce America the Beautiful coin with each gold or silver IRA if you qualify noblegoldinvestments.com noblegoldinvestments.com Foreman is the heavyweight champion of the world. On April 28th, experience the movie based on the miraculous story of George Foreman. George Foreman ain't no new champ, he is the new chump.
0: I'm not going to box anymore. I'm going to follow God. It's the greatest comeback story of all time. It's only two things I know how to do. Box, and preach, And preach. preach, you won't pay the bills.
9: Foreman's 45 years
13: old. The risk isn't losing, it's surviving.
10: How can you beat that money?
0: I'm going to do this in my way. Big George Foreman, exclusively movie theaters. April 28th, rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.
14: Do you find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial. Group has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide absolutely free.
1: Call 800 235 5588. That's 800 235 5588. 800 235 5588.
3: You look at home prices, an existing home price. I mean, here in Western Pennsylvania, the last several years, through the roof. Mm -hmm.
4: Coming down, apparently, coming a little back down to earth.
3: Yes. For years, Western Pennsylvania, specifically Pittsburgh, was one of the best kept secrets in home buying in the entire country. You could buy a house here relatively, I mean, you know, nationwide considering, relatively inexpensive. That's been the case for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. All right. I saw a piece today. This is how much it costs to build a new house in each state. And they're saying, you know, this is from uh, Lifehacker. They're saying, you know, with the cost of uh, buying an existing house, maybe it will be cheaper to buy a brand new house. Buy the plot of Mm -hmm. land that you want and then start from scratch exactly how you want it. So uh, what they did was they they went and they looked at... um, you know, uh, contractor prices, lumber prices, land prices, all these things. And then they did their math at Lifehacker. And then they sort of gave you a price per square foot okay. for all 50 states. Uh, the cheapest place to build a new house, no surprise, would be Mississippi. Okay. Okay. Pulling up from the end, from 50 forward, Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana. Okay. And then, surprisingly, North Carolina.
4: Wait, that's a surprise. So many people, some snowbirds would build a Happily place there. Happily go to
3: North Carolina, whether at the beach or in the in Smoky Mountains. Huh. Then Florida, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota. Uh, then West Virginia. Now, let me move forward quickly because, of course, time is always of the essence here and tell you that Pennsylvania is... Is the thirty-fifth least expensive state? Thirty-five out of fifty. Okay. Okay. So Pennsylvania, it cost a hundred and sixty-two dollars per square foot. The average price of new construction is three hundred and thirty-nine thousand one hundred sixty-seven dollars. Wow. A brand new house. Okay. Uh, the the most expensive place yeah. in the entire country to build a home. No surprise, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did I say? Pennsylvania was one sixty-seven per square foot. Hawaii is two oh five wow. per square okay. foot. Uh, new price construction four hundred thirty-one thousand three hundred sixty-four dollars.
4: What's after Hawaii?
3: Massachusetts. Okay. Then New Jersey. Then Illinois, like Chicago. Illinois around Chicago. Uh, Rhode Island, New York State, Connecticut, California, Washington State, New Hampshire, Minnesota. That's the top.
4: Well, wow, expensive to live in uh, New England, huh?
3: Yep. Anyway, would you want to build a new house?
4: Listen, no. I don't think I would. No, it's a, I don't
3: think the that's the energy for me. alone yeah, to go that's through that a lot. process
11: word fm remembering charles stanley i value you enough to give my life do what god has called me to, so that you will be able to be stronger in your walk find the will of god for your life and to enjoy the goals that god will help you reach celebrating the life and legacy of charles stanley
6: Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com. The WordFM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM,
14: Pittsburgh.com. Check it
6: out.
11: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. There's been an evacuation of the American embassy in warring Sudan. Oh, it happened over the weekend. U.S. officials say American forces swept in and out of the capital, Khartoum, on Chinook helicopters. Secretary of State Blinken says it's hard to know exactly how many Americans are in Sudan since they're not required to register. We do know, of course, uh, the number of Americans who have registered with us and with
0: whom we're in very active uh, uh, touch, communication. Um, And of those, I would say some dozens
11: have expressed uh, an interest uh, and leaving during the American Embassy evacuation, no shots were fired, no casualties reported. Two moves by network news stations: Tucker Carlson is out at Fox, and Don Lemon is out at CNN. This is S R N News. If you've heard
13: any of our radio commercials here on Word FM, you know that we like funny stories that make us smile. This is not one of those commercials. I read this week that over one third of U.S. adults now owe more in credit card debt than they have saved. Add in the fact that milk and gas and kids' clothes and everything is out of control. And I think it's fair to say it's a scary time for a lot of good people. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And if that's you, I do believe a cash-out refinance, pulling out some of the value your home has earned the last few years, could be a saving grace. Yes, mortgage interest rates are up, but credit card rates are about three to five times higher. We've helped hundreds of listeners do this, using a cash-out to rid of the credit card debt and then saving some extra aside for the road ahead. And it's undoubtedly a life-changer for many. If you'd like to chat about your situation, we are United Faith Mortgage.
1: United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York.
3: And I'm listening at 1330 Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672.
10: People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I should be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 98 98 and get a free info kit on gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this. so Just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 98 98 and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times.
1: Before I came to RPTS, I was a church planter and pastor for 22 years, and I found a lot of confusion about what really constitutes a church. Dr. Barry York, president of RPTS. We want, first and foremost, our ministers to know what a church is and what the church really needs, so how to develop preaching ministry, why we practice the sacraments, how to properly care for God's people and that you exercise proper oversight of them. The church needs servants like you. Are you ready? Visit rpts.edu.
0: Are you looking to replace your old telephone system with the latest technology? At South Point Telecom, our phone systems feature auto answer and transfer to your desk and cell phone while recording and tracking all calls in and out. This is Don Hoder. With 30 years experience, I can quickly give you a price quote over the phone with no pressure or obligation. Ask about our security cameras and door access as well. Go to southpointtelecom.com.
1: A freeze warning remains in effect late tonight through tomorrow morning. Becoming clear and cold tonight. Early vegetation can be damaged by a freeze, the low 31. Clouds and sun tomorrow with a high of 56. Plenty of clouds tomorrow night. Couple of late night showers, low 37. A shower in spots Wednesday morning. Otherwise, sun and clouds at a high of 56. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now
3: here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Jury selection started today for the Tree of Life Massacre, This has been a long, long time coming. More than four and a half years have passed since the massacre in Squirrel Hill, the synagogue of Tree of Life. And to reach this point is finally the slow wheels of justice Mm -hmm. moving forward. It is slow. So a lot of this hinges on the death penalty, right? Mm -hmm. Where the perpetrator, the murderer, I should say, uh, was willing to plead guilty to these crimes, if he would not be indicted or sentenced Mm -hmm. under a death penalty. Uh, Many of the families of the victims of Tree of Life said, no, this is what we're going to do. We have chosen under federal guidelines to look for the death penalty. And so now uh, the perpetrator has pleaded not guilty. And the trial expected to start in a couple of weeks after the jury has been seated.
4: Yeah. Now, as I understand it, because initially... Now, this was a good year, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, at that point, I thought that most of the families had did not want to pursue a death penalty case. They wanted to just have a quick trial. Which but, you would understand. But the feds, it's very important to the federal government that this is prosecuted as a hate crime. Um, because they feel like their best chance of... Um, dealing with anti-Semitism is to make this a death penalty case so that people know that if they do this, then this is a death penalty f- future for you.
3: I, I mean, you, you can't say what goes through a mind of a crazy no. person who's intent on mass murder as though life in prison or no, death I know, but if you're, deterrent. but if
4: you're, imagine if you're the federal government, you want to deter this as you want this to be
3: a deterrent, thank goodness for
4: any future situation we'll as much as is humanly possible. Right.
3: I mean, I get it. Look, I drive by Tree of Life weekly, multiple times. The fences are still up. The building is a, is closed now. They're about to undergo finally reconstruction of the building proper, and that will take years. It's just so long and mm-hmm. so drawn out, and the heartache that the scar that has been perpetrated on the, especially the Jewish community here in the city of Pittsburgh, will of course never go away. Mm -hmm. Those poor innocent people were gathering Shabbat and they were ready to worship their God in peace. And that madman came bursting through the the doors of that synagogue intent on murdering as many people were in that synagogue.
4: And when police showed up and arrested him, he said, I just wanted to kill Jews. Right.
3: I mean... I'm not a, a pro death-penalty person. Mm-mm. I'm not. No, I'm not either. But
4: but you know, in it's funny in this instance because there's absolutely no question that he did it.
3: A hundred percent. You know,
4: it's not like that. This is a case that really has to be argued right. in uh, in a way that a lot of other ones would have Just to plain be. Plain
3: as the nose yeah. on your face. Right. So they're they're going to go. The, the hard thing is this trial is going to be so brutal for families. Because they're going to show mm-hmm. crime scene photos, yeah. autopsy photos. It says you're going to go take a deep dive oh, into the murder having, of the people that you love.
4: I can't imagine having to live through The that.
3: brutality of what is about to come to us here, especially for those poor families. But justice will prevail, I do believe, mm-hmm. in the end. Finally, it's here after four and a half years.
4: Finally. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll turn to our friend, Dr. Ryan Burge, and we'll talk about losing faith in institutions, whether it's the Boy Scouts or the Catholic Church or whatever. Does that also mean that people are losing faith in God? All right, that's coming up next.
6: 101.5 WORD.
2: Dr. Charles
0: Stanley, I plead with you in Jesus' name to ask him to forgive you of your sins. I plead with you to place your trust in Jesus, to save you right
11: now, to change your life. He'll change your eternal destiny. The teaching of Dr. Charles Stanley on In Touch, Helping you grow in Christ every day.
1: Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD.
5: Can you hear it? The cry of those living in darkness, in desperate need of hope. As their cries go up, we here at Cornerstone Television long to answer. We believe God is calling each of us for such a time as this to rise up and come to the battle line with the hope of Jesus Christ. Don't miss Cornerstone's Hope Arising special programming with Pastor Jim, Jason Howard, Matt Sorger, Apostle Connie Brooks, and Jay Gilbert. This is a special invitation for you to come to the battle line with us to link arms and see hope arise. Our mission to reach the nations remains strong, but we can't fulfill our mission without you. Tune in April 24th through 28th at 8 p.m. and discover how to be a strong force of light in the darkness. Watch hope arising on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Verizon Fios Channel 505 or Channel 805 on Comcast Xfinity.
1: Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm.
8: This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing.
1: Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252.
4: At Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont, you can look perfect at any age. Safe, fast, and completely non-invasive. Chilled to Perfection is your all-natural way to target stubborn body fat, age spots, cellulite, acne, hair loss, and more for a limited time get a cryoskin treatment in the area of your choice plus cryofacial for just 249 defy your age where your results are their business visit chilled to today
3: trust in god but not believe in god is that a thing Do you trust in God or not believe in God? Ryan Burrs is a regular guest on our show. Um, Dr. Burrs is assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. He is the author of twenty myths about religion and politics in America, and the nuns: where they came from, who they are, and where they are going. Mm. Ryan, Dr. (laughs) Burrs, welcome back. Good to see you.
15: Look at this, guys. Guess what? I just got in the mail today. Second edition. Yes.
3: Hot off the The presses. Very nice. This is the first
4: copy in the wild, guys. Oh, my gosh. This is, gosh, super, this is exciting. super exciting. Congratulations, Ryan. I gonna love it. That's going a good
3: feeling when a box shows up on your door after all these many months and months and months of writing, and you go, that's me. That's the that's best second of me.
4: edition.
15: You know what? It is like a feeling like you'll never have in your life mm. if you write a book, and it actually – like they publish it in a real form, and it comes in the mail, and you can hold it in your hand. It feels so different than just writing it on a, like a digital page. Yeah. It's like this really exists. I did this. And so – Today's a good day.
3: It's good. And the second edition means it lives beyond. It's got extra duty life now.
15: Man, the first one was like a it, just a runaway success, like far beyond what, what I could ever ask or imagined. And this one is just kind of a product of the fact that people wanted more. Fabulous. And the data keeps evolving, and the pattern of American religion always is changing. So. It's good to be a religious demographer because nothing stays static that in world. That is for sure.
4: <laughs> All right, Could Ryan. Right. And, and speaking of things not staying uh, still, this issue of trust in mm. uh, institutions is something that I think of a lot. I... I go to a, a church that's part of a, a denomination. So it's not an independent type of mm-hmm. church. Um, the church I go to is on a college campus, the the uh, University of Pittsburgh, where I went to school. And uh, I walk through campus a couple, two, three days a week. Um, the enormous Cathedral of Learning, which, you know, rises like a leprous. Um, and I think to myself... I've been surrounded my whole adult life by these institutions that have shaped me. And at different times in my life, I had a high degree of trust and faith in them. And then at other points, like we had this ridiculous, we had this, uh, Uh, A couple of conservative commentators who came to campus last week and the most absurd demonstration broke out. It became it was so out of control. It was so mindless. It was so dumb. They decided the best way to express themselves was to block access to the hospitals that are in the uh, in the university area. Anyway, it was just super stupid. Of course, then my trust dips. But that's what it is like. Institutional faith and trust has gone up and down, I think, in all of us.
15: Yeah, and I think that's something that we don't. Th- a democracy runs on trust, right? You've got to be able to trust that if the other party wins, they're not they're not going to get to a situation where they lock you out of power forever. Mm-hmm. You know, if the other party wins, and th- then we switch back and forth. Or if you go to the doctor, they're going to prescribe a medicine they think works the best for you, not based on what goes in their pocket. Or a professor is teaching you the best they know and how, without some ulterior motive. Or if you go to church, you're going there because the pastor and the leadership really wants you to have a spiritual experience and get better in life, not just put more money in the offering place that passes by every week. And I think the problem with that, though, is we live in an age of rampant cynicism, right? We think that everyone's out for their own good. They're not really looking out for the greater good. If someone runs for office, I was like, why are they lining their pockets? No one can do things for like an altruistic reason anymore. And it's a really terrible way to go through life thinking that, like, everyone's out for themselves and no one's out for all of us. And we're, there are really selfless people out there. And I think there are. It's just it's easier. The, the, the currency of the Internet is being as cynical as possible, yeah, as right. pessimistic as you can be. And I think it's infected us all, and I think it's gotten really deep in our DNA, and it's almost impossible to get out now.
3: Heck. Well, I remember, Ryan, I'm sure you're the same way. You know, anyone who's had some sort of curiosity or an intellectual awakening in somewhat, right? And you see, you know, the powers that be, whether it's, you know, state government, you know, the local district attorney's office or whatnot, you see that as a young person, you read into it, you gain a sense of confidence and this is how the world is supposed to work. There's an order to all things. That confidence goes along with the trust. It feels as though we've lost confidence and trust in the basics, basics of what it is to be a citizen in this country.
15: And that's so the institutional trust is one component of it. But interpersonal trust is the other component of it, which is like, do I trust the other person is not going to mug me mm-hmm. or try to take advantage of me? Right, walking down the street, do I trust the other person is not going to commit violent acts against me? And interestingly enough, Kathy, you were talking about higher education. We know that people with higher levels of education have higher levels of trust. Now, the question is, did they get higher levels of education because they had more trust or did education sort mm-hmm. of teach them to be more trusting? And it's hard to obviously you know disentangle those things. But what we know is it's easier to get ahead in society if you can trust other people and they reciprocate that trust back. Social networks have a tremendous value emotionally, spiritually, economically. Uh, From a democratic standpoint, little d democratic standpoint, we if we don't trust each other, democracy cannot function. And we are scared. We are lonely. We are isolated. We are suspicious all the time. And that's not the way that we need to go through life.
3: Right. But you just described America in the 21st century.
15: Unfortunately, I think that's the problem is we think like all the cities in America are now hellscape where you're going to be robbed and mugged and yeah. you know all these terrible things are going to happen to you and that everyone's going to try to take your money. They're always out like looking for the angle. Right. And I think religion has been, you know, at the receiving end of a lot of that, rightfully or wrongfully. I think religion's done a lot of unforced errors in the last 30 yeah, or 40 that's years, for sure. right? Um, But I think a lot of it is religion just got swept up in the larger movement we've had in American society where we are less trusting of institutions, and I think that's hurt religion, and it's hurt people. I think it's hurt society as well because they're not joining stuff
4: anymore. As I was walking through campus uh, day before yesterday, Ryan, I was looking up at the cathedral, as I said, and I was thinking about this friend of mine who grew up in a family where education wasn't a priority. And so when it came time for her to uh, look into college, her parents were like, well, if you want to do that, like, go for it. But like, we can't help you. They couldn't even like just the idea. There was no concept of how to do it of how to take an SAT or how to apply or anything like that. And so I think that I look up at the cathedral of learning and I tend my, my faith in an institution is increased because I was able to apply there. I was able to attend there. I was able to get a degree there. And so therefore I don't look at it as like a monstrosity or an enemy or something like that. But my friend Well, look at a building like that, and it's different. It's like that's for other people, or that's for the opposition, or that, you know what I mean? That's something that's not for me.
3: So trust is also an emotional thing as well, deeply emotional.
15: Oh, I mean, I'm a first-generation college student as well, right? My parents could not help me understand, like... Don't take one class at 8 a.m and one class at 3 p.m because you won't you're gonna you're gonna blow one of them off and probably right, at 8 right, a.m right yeah there's like little stuff like that like I had to fill out my own forms my, my own huh. financial aid forms when mm-hmm. I was a kid okay and obviously I messed that up and I probably missed out on those opportunities and I do think that education is one of these areas where if you're not in you're not in I'll give you an example 40 percent of political scientists have parents who are professors no today. way Wow. Absolutely. Forty percent. Wow. Yeah. So so like it's it's a family business now. And and what's funny is academia always like prides itself on like, you know, meritocracy, rather you can build your way to the top. It's a heck of a lot easier if both your parents have PhDs. Yeah. And I think it's just perpetuated this aristocracy in America. And we don't have the social mobility we think we have. I'm an outlier and then I got a PhD being a first generation college student, but I made a lot of mistakes on the way that I won't let my kids make in terms of where I went, how I got there, and how I paid for it. And so i have you know, it's it's going to hurt me long term being a first generation college student. Hmm.
3: Dr. Ryan Burge is with us. Okay, so then let's turn our focus, Ryan, because you dig deep into what our what we talk about a lot here, which is faith. What about the people? You know, your nuns. You've written a whole book about the nuns. You may not be a, a person of spiritual faith, but does that d- deny your existence? The, the you know the the idea of God in your life.
15: Yeah. So I wrote a post called trust and believe or not trust and believe right so does institutional trust run hand in hand with like belief in god you know if you give up on one do you give up on the other or vice versa right and what the data says is that yeah i mean institu- a lack of institutional trust is also correlated with a lack of certain belief in god it's almost like mm. everything that's foundational to like american life if one piece crumbles every other piece starts cracking as well and crumbling as well so people who have very low confidence in religion also have very low confidence in god at the same time
4: really okay yeah. so what about if a person like if a person's completely secular one of the nuns it's the same thing
15: yeah so what's interesting is if you if you look for the share of americans who say they have no confidence in organized religion and don't believe in god at all it's only about 4% of americans though okay Here's a stunning fact for a lot of people 88% of americans today Still say they believe in God at some level.
7: Okay, even though the
15: nuns, 88%, yeah. So when we ask you what you believe about God, they say either God doesn't exist or I can't know if God exists or not. That's 12% of Americans. 88% say they believe in God at least sometimes. So even though, like, I can give you stats like, you know, 50% of Americans never go to church and, you know, 30% of Americans are nuns, 48% of Generation Z are nuns, only 12% of Americans, from a vertical standpoint, a belief standpoint, say that God does not exist. We are stubbornly believing people in this country, although I think if institutional trust continues to decline, I think we're going to see that certain belief in God also decline at the same time because I don't think people are good at separating the institution from the higher power belief
3: part of it. I see. So, Ryan, you said in this country. So Mm -hmm. is America different than the rest of the free world in some way? Oh, goodness gracious.
15: We, I, I was talking to my students in religion and politics class last week about how we're weirdos. Like you can learn nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing
4: you learn about <laughs> American
15: religion and politics <laughs> can be translated to anywhere else on planet Earth. Isn't that we,
4: interesting?
15: Oh, absolutely. We're one of the most economically prosperous countries on the planet, right? Easily in the top five, but 52% of Americans believe in God or say religion's very important to them. If you look at our comparative, uh, you know, countries, yeah, it should be we should be less than ten percent, really. Uh, uh, yeah, we are a weird. We are way more religious than we should be, or we're way richer than we should be. You know, one of those two things has to be true. So, when I study American religion and politics. I don't ever get asked to go speak internationally because what I know does not translate to Western Europe or Sub-Saharan Africa or Southeast Asia because they understand religion completely differently than we do in America.
8: Interesting.
4: Okay, so I know this isn't maybe your specialty, but what's the difference? Like why, why, why is America so unique in that way?
15: Yeah, so I think the first thing is that we never established a state church in America. Got it. You know, If you want people to hate something, make it part of the government. Because he mm-hmm. yeah. just don't like the government. And you know, most of Western Europe, which is where a lot of our, you know, like ideological thoughts come from mm-hmm. is Western Europe, they have state religion in places like Germany now, you still pay taxes to the church mm-hmm. right? in many parts of Germany, still to this day, and German religiosity, less than ten percent of Germans go to church every week. So I think it's become like part of the establishment. So we never did that. And so instead what we had is religious competition in this country. And if you look at America, we may be the most religiously diverse country on the planet. I mean there are many counties when when one the largest religion might be 30% of the population or 40% of the population which means that there's a lot of little 10 20% yeah. religions out there and when you compete you got to get better right the marketplace is not dominated by one player so if you want to get market share you got to preach better you got to minister better you got to mm. reach out to the community better and that competition I think, really sharpened American religion in such a way that made some really good preachers and some really good churches and some really good ministries. I mean, Billy Graham's an American. Like We need to be proud of that. Mm -hmm. He figured out how to reach out to those people. And if you don't have competition – there's not that kick in the pants of like I got to get better to reach more people. America, we're all about competition for good mm-hmm. or bad. Capitalism made religion in America a lot better than it could have been.
3: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ryan, yesterday I was at a church service. There's a local church here in the city of Pittsburgh that yesterday celebrated its 250th anniversary as a church here in the city. It's the oldest institution by far. Now, what was interesting to me is you know you're you're in this packed church. It was gorgeous. It was primarily, as you might imagine. A lot of gray heads. I mean, everyone was gray. There was a moment for the children's sermon at this 250 celebration. They invited the kids up. There were maybe four kids. Yeah. This is what it's going to be like in America.
15: Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't, I don't think people fully recognize how, what's happening to us because it's happening so slowly. It's almost like, oh, you look back and go, oh, my gosh, what happened? Because every year in America, we're seeing older boomers die off who are 20% nuns and then Gen Z is coming of age and becoming adults, and they're 48% nuns. Wow. And that, you know, that's how American religion changes over time. It's not one big shift. It's just once you know one death a month, two deaths a month, three deaths a month that are not being replaced by young people joining the church. All of a sudden, your membership goes from 200 to 170, from 170 to 125, and then five years later, it's under 100, and you go, what happened? Well, drip, 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 and eventually things change. And the problem with that is... It's like the old frog, you know, how do you boil a frog? Sure. If the water's boiling, you throw it in, he's going to jump out. If you slowly turn it up, he'll boil to death. A lot of churches are being boiled to death so slowly they're not realizing they're 5 down, 10 down, 20 down from a year ago. And those 20s add up over time, and then you get to the point you can't pay the light bill
3: anymore. So then Germany, as you're saying, 10% of the population in Germany, we will at some point become Germany?
15: I think there's – if you look at the data, there's actually kind of a hard ceiling it looks like in the nuns around – 48 to 50 percent mm. so even amongst Gen Z it's not really gone up as they've aged into adulthood okay and the oldest Gen Z are like 26 27 so I think we're gonna get to the point where half of Americans are non-religious and half of Americans are but that's going to be divided between you know Catholics and evangelicals and Muslims and Jews and Mormons and all these different groups where none of them are going to be like a significant you know part Enjoy. of American life yeah so and I think that's what the future of American religion look half religious Half non, and the religious people have got to figure out they're going to join forces on political issues and cultural issues, or they're going to fight each other mm-hmm. on these issues. I think that's actually probably the most interesting question facing American religion and politics. Over the next 30 years is do conservative Muslims and evangelicals join hands on certain things Mm -hmm. that they both disagree with to fight on the same team or do they consistently see each other as enemies and try
3: to fight against each other? Interesting. So I I saw an article in today's New York Times about this, that there there's a Stuyvesant High School, which is a a high school in in Manhattan, and they're going to get rid of the requirement that there is um, you must uh, learn how to swim to get your, your high school degree. And they're, and they're doing this because they've integrated the swim class, men, boys and girls. And there is a, a section of young Muslim women who are saying, we don't want the boys in the swim class. It's a religious issue to us. This in some ways is what you're talking about.
15: The undergrad school I went to Greenville university used to be chapels mandatory three times a week. Yeah. And when enrollment went down, they started waving chapel for a lot of kids who oh. were on the fence I think you lost a lot of what Greenville was about because of that community. You met together three mm-hmm. times a week and saw everyone and learned what we were doing and learned what was going on in the community and pray for people and be part of something. We, you know, It's easy to do those things because the money wins out, right? we got to pay the bills, right. but if you lose the character of what you are, then what do you have left? even if you can keep the lights on, are you really who you said you were? And I think that's where a lot of these institutions are facing financial problems that make them not think financially,
3: not ideologically, mm-hmm. about who they are. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan, we don't want to leave uh, with a bad taste but no, but, in our but, And
4: I have, I have one question I have to okay. ask him.
3: Is yeah. there a silver lining in all this? I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking about the demise of faith in the fabric of who we are as America. Is there some good news at all?
15: I think there's a lot of young people who are realizing they need – Spiritual help. They need social help. They need they need to feel part of the community. And I call it the third space problem. First space is uh, is home. Second space is work. What's the third space? Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be religion, or even the the moose or the elks or yeah. the American Legion or the bowling league. We have a third space problem in America. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in my generation, older millennials and even younger millennials, are going, man, why am I not happy? Why do I not feel content? I need to find a place to be part of something, mm-hmm. and I think you're going to see this happening with younger generations. They're going to go, we need to fix this problem. We need to find a third space, and here's religion all over the country with all these beautiful buildings ready to build and fix that third space problem. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this is the end of The Rise of the Nuns. I know that will stop my publishing career, <laughs> but it might be better for American society.
4: All right. All right? Okay, one last question. Um, the trial started today in Pittsburgh, Ryan, for the Tree of Life shooter and you know that was an absolutely horror, it was it, it was a it it's one of the worst days i can remember living in the city as you can imagine i'm sure every um city that's had a, a mass shooting feels that way um but because it was particularly um, a religious hate crime. I'm wondering what what that does to a community of faith. And I don't mean just the people who went to those synagogues, but I mean, all of us in Pittsburgh who believe things like does that change a ratio of nuns to believer? Or do you have any doubt on that? No,
15: I, don't, I mean, my intuition is that that has a polarizing impact. It'll actually drive some people away from going to houses worse because they don't want to be possibly shot in the next mass shooting. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of people, even if they're on the fence about religion, they go, those people don't deserve that. They yeah. don't deserve to be massacred for what they believe in. Yeah. And I think it actually engenders good feelings about religion, generally speaking. Now, if that brings people actually back to the pews, is a whole different story, but it definitely moves sentiment more in the direction of religious people should be safe to worship in their own spaces without fear of mass shootings. Right. So I think – generally speaking, those might actually help religion in the long term, because I think even the average American who's a nun still thinks religion holds a place in society and they deserve some rights and responsibilities and to be protected.
3: It's interesting you say that, because in reading today's paper about this trial that's about to get underway, is that, you know, there were three congregations within the synagogue, and someone quoted saying, since this has happened to our congregation, we have seen a rise that uh, people have come back who have left the congregation, Mm. we've seen a rise of people who want to worship with us again, so what you're saying has some truth. Yeah. Ryan Burge is with us. Ryan, uh, 20 myths about religion and politics in America. And you can hold it up again. The nuns, where they came from, who they are, and where they are going. Second
4: edition. We're celebrating it. it. Right there at the
15: bottom. Second edition. I like it. Very nice. I have a substack now, graphsaboutreligion.com. I write two or three pieces on there every week, data-driven, charts and graphs, little words about what's going on in American religion. I got a piece about guns, God, and graph
3: coming out this week. So I'm thinking about this issue a lot. As a young adult, college colleges, of course, are extremely pivotal. It's the time to discover who you are And if you're fortunate and you are involved in Christian life to discover your God-given calling in life, because the world calls and says, oh, your college career is all about your future self and making your income to provide for your life. But Mm -hmm. of course, life is much more than that.
4: And there are limitless numbers, seemingly limitless numbers of colleges that will help your child down that path. To figure out how to make the The most money, right? To find the most jobs, all those sorts of things, all important things to consider. However, how many schools are there that are going to help your child prepare to go out into the world, to be an effective witness for Christ, to be a person who's able to work in their chosen field in a way that is a calling, whether they're being trained as a mechanical engineer or they're being trained as someone in business or an elementary school teacher, whatever it is, looking at that job as their vocation that is given to them by God and that God can work through them in a magnificent way because of their own individuality. How many colleges are going to prepare a child to look at it that
3: way? That would be Grove City College. Eternal biblical truth in all the teachings, GCC. Dot edu, Grove City
5: College. Can you hear it? The cry of those living in darkness, in desperate need of hope. As their cries go up, we here at Cornerstone Television long to answer. We believe God is calling each of us for such a time as this to rise up and come to the battle line with the hope of Jesus Christ. Don't miss Cornerstone's Hope Arising special programming with Pastor Jim, Jason Howard, Matt Sorger, Apostle Connie Brooks, and Jay Gilbert. This is a special invitation for you to come to the battle line with us to link arms and see hope arise. Our mission to reach the nations remains strong, but we can't fulfill our mission without you. Tune in April 24th through 28th at 8 p.m. and discover how to be a strong force of light in the darkness. Watch Hope Arising on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Verizon Fios Channel 505 or Channel 805 on Comcast Xfinity.
10: Terry Wurgenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Celebrate mom with a family aboard a Mother's Day cruise sailing Sunday, May 14th. All moms will receive a special gift from all of us at the Clipper. For reservations, visit GatewayClipper.com.
6: Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, in and on Odyssey, 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
1: A freeze warning remains in effect late tonight through tomorrow morning. Becoming clear and cold tonight. Early vegetation can be damaged by a freeze, the low 31. Clouds and sun tomorrow with a high of 56. Plenty of clouds tomorrow night. Couple of late night showers, low 37. The shower spots Wednesday morning. Otherwise, sun and clouds at a high of 56. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
4: Does this make sense?
3: Does what make sense? A pedicure. Well. Well.
8: (laughs) (laughs) This is good.
14: I
3: mean, I've never had a pedicure. Okay. For some people, it makes sense. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. And who are those people?
3: People that are not me. Mm-hmm. Although, I do appreciate good foot health. Right. And I think probably a pedicure would be instrumental in that.
4: It seems like it might even be essential in that.
3: Now, you and I have talked about the, uh, the koi, the uh, fish that eat the...
4: That's one of the worst experiences you know, of my life.
3: So when you go get a pedicure, it's uh-huh. more than just someone painting your nails?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a whole, it's foot hygiene. Foot? It's just foot maintenance. It's total maintenance. In
3: all the years that you've had pedicures, how many years has that been? Decades? Decades. Have there ever been men in the room? Oh, yeah. Men getting pedicures? Oh, sure. Really?
4: Yes. Now, not nearly. I would say it's 5% to 95%. Yeah, I would imagine. But consistently there are men there. Really? Yes.
3: Well, I might be interested.
4: <laughs> I? I might be
3: interested. I mean, it's
4: uh, It makes so much sense You don't even know How much sense it makes
3: I'm very foot-centric As you might imagine of course. I've suffered through some Yes things. And I go Well, okay I would li-.
4: You should really? You should reconsider Your point of view On huh. how much sense A pedicure makes My
3: birthday's coming up Maybe I'll ask for that uh, As a little Terrific Thing there
4: I'll introduce you To my friend Tiffany
3: Really? Mm-hmm oh, I, yeah. Okay right. It makes sense Uh-huh yeah. okay.
4: It's very it, it, I agree It okay. also makes sense
3: righty. does this make sense? A professional cornhole tournament. <laughs> now, I like cornhole. We play in the backyard, yeah. right? We throw the bean bag through the little, and then I'm that you know, do. watching TV the other day, yeah. and there are like these pros. I mean, it's like sponsored. There's money on the line all of a sudden. I'm like, Wait, as a kid, I started to play wiffle ball. So, like, is it like a professional wiffle ball tournament? Is everything that is, like, enjoyable become something else that's beyond, like, you know, for the pros to take care of? Right. It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to you? No. What are we talking?
4: Seriously? Well, I mean. Come on. It's a little bit of a stretch.
5: But when you see them.
4: This isn't like, you know, the snowmobile in the Winter Olympics. seems like there's a little extra level of expertise that you need to do women's gymnastics well, they, than professional cornhole?
3: You do have to have a skill set to be able to throw it through the, you know, down there. I'm not it saying
6: the hole. it's not a skill set. Do we really need to have a professional league? People watch. 101.5 WORD.
5: How are we supposed to respond when our lives are not on the timeline we expected them to be on? Well, Rachel Faulkner Brown knows what that feels like.
7: Now, I will tell you, you lose a husband, bury a husband, you become like an old lady. Mm. I had done things that people don't do till they're 70. Yeah. And so when you go to the funeral home and you pick out a casket, you just you just age.
5: Finding hope in our grief. Next time on Family Life Today with Dave and Ann Wilson. Tomorrow morning at 9
1: on 101.5 Word FM WORD. Quote based on healthy non-smoking 30-year-old female with a 20-year term policy rates may vary. Eligible policies and estate planning tools can vary by state.
14: It's a busy life. You have enough to worry about. So here's a great way to check life insurance off your list. It's called Ethos. With the thought of medical exams, forms to fill out, and the cost, it's easy to see why life insurance can fall to the bottom of your to-do list. But at Ethos Life, we've got your back. For about a dollar a day, you could get a quarter million dollars in term life insurance without a medical exam. Just go online, answer a few health questions, and snap! Family Protected. You could get a quote in seconds, apply in minutes, and be covered in hours. No medical exams, no blood tests, no hassle. Right now, with your purchase of an eligible policy from Ethos, you'll get something else important to your family, tools to create a legal will a $449 value, yours free. Ethos, the 100% online, hassle-free way to get affordable life insurance. Get your free online quote now at ethoslife.com. That's E-T-H-O-S life.com. Foreman
8: is the heavyweight champion of the world.
0: On April 28th, experience the movie based on the miraculous story of George Foreman.
8: George Foreman ain't no new champ. He is the new champ. Foreman
0: is dead. I'm not going to box anymore. I'm going to follow God. It's the greatest comeback story of all time. There's only two things I know how to do. Box and preach. And preach, you won't pay the bills.
13: format's 45 years old. The risk isn't losing, it's surviving.
0: How can you beat that man? I'm going to do this my way. Big George Format, exclusively in movie theaters. April 28th, rated PG-13.
1: Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Inflation is pushing up the cost of just about everything, but life insurance actually costs less today than it did a few years ago. Now is the time to get the insurance you need. Call select, quote, and we'll help you save more than on term life insurance. You can get up to $2 million in same-day coverage with no medical exam. Call SelectQuote at
8: 1-800-646-9595 or go to SelectQuote.com now. That's 1-800-646-9595. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials.
5: Guys, if you're frustrated with online dating, give Pittsburgh Singles a try. If you're between 38 and 43, single, Christian, educated, and family-oriented, Pittsburgh Singles has two particular VIP women you might want to meet. These beautiful Beautiful, educated, local Christian women are looking for the same thing you are the possibility of forever love with someone who shares their faith and values. Could that be you? Take three easy steps to find out with Pittsburgh's premier matchmaking service at pittsburgh singles.com.
3: As evidenced by our last guests, we like numbers, surveys, uh, opinion pieces. And uh, I saw a piece uh, that was published last week. They're the happiest people in America, and we called them to ask why. So there was a survey, the Wall Street Journal, and something called NORC poll, uh, which they do apparently yearly. America's happiest people have a few traits in common. They value community and close personal relationships. Okay. They believe in God. And they are generally older, often in retirement years.
4: Whoa. Okay. So that's three things? Believe. They've, they value community.
3: And close relationship. Okay. Tend to believe in God and are often older or in their retirement years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they took this poll and they found that a small group of Americans, just 12% in this poll, would describe themselves as not just happy, but very happy. 12%. So the 12% uh, was the smallest share of very happy people ever recorded in this poll that goes back to 1972. 1,019 adults in the survey, large majorities said that they felt pessimistic about the economy and prospects for the next generation. 30% of those of those 1,019. 30% at the lowest level of happiness said they were not too happy. A majority though some 56% said that they were pretty happy. So all this makes that slice of very happy people stand mm-hmm. out. What do they know that the rest of us don't? Overwhelmingly, the very happy people value strong relationships some 67% say marriage is very important to them, regardless of their own marital status, compared with 43% of respondents overall. They tend to say that their belie- belief in God is very important. Two-thirds describe themselves as very or moderately religious of those very happy people. How
4: many? What's the percentage?
3: Two-thirds describe themselves as very happy, Mm -hmm. um, describe themselves, I'm sorry, as uh, moderately or very religious compared with less than half of the adults. Overall, Mm -hmm. community involvement rates are more important among those very happy than among those who report lower levels of happiness. So being part of something larger than yourself, your church community, your community at large, your hometown, right? Or your town. So, um, Wall Street Journal. They went out and they started calling people who build themselves as very happy, and that they say this here. This is from uh, someone who says, "I'm very happy." Marianne De Pasquale, who's 76, she's a retired medical secretary. She said, "quote We're living on Social Security, my husband and I, and a couple of small pensions. We live from month to month on that, and um, we don't want for anything. So, of course, we are very happy people." Um, mm. I'll go in a little bit deeper. So what they did was they went and found people, these people here, and they, they published photographs of them Okay. and they dug a little bit deeper. Okay. So here's a guy, he's 77 years old. His name is, uh, his name, uh, oddly is Larry old. <laughs> okay. And Larry old says, uh, I live by myself on a seven acre plot. I'm kind of a loner. I can hang out at my house by myself for days on end. I live in the home where I was raised, and I call it a source of my contentment. I've got all kind of great memories in this house. Um, I recall waking at 4 o'clock to feed the chickens and milk the cows. In later years, he grew grew close to his mom uh, while they were helping her fight cancer. He is divorced. He has good friends, a few good friends rather than a lot of friends. And he says, I've got strong roots in this area, of course, because I grew up. He says, I pray every night. If I have medical problems, I take it to God. Um, he says that um, I attend church occasionally, but most of my friends are from my church. I think that's pretty yeah. common, right? Yeah. Uh, here's someone who is, sort of bucks the trends of very happy. This person is 35 years old. Um, her name is Latasha McCorkle. And she says, only worry about what you can control. She says, um, people can learn to be happy. She said, I did not grow up around happy people. Those around her drank, uh, did drugs, smoked cigarettes. Uh, she said, um, I just wanted to find my own joy and be centered within me and not depend on anything outside of me. I take pride on that I can take care of myself. She says she tries to keep herself removed from the grievances of others, mm. such as road rage on the highway. Only guiding through, uh, that. She says, the, the key thing for me is I only worry about what's in front of me and what I can control.
4: Oh, good for her. That's extremely healthy
3: mind. She says, I'm not as religious as I was raised, but I do understand that I'm here on earth having a spiritual experience. I'm here to go through life and experience of what it all has to offer. Hmm. Very happy. How do you become? How do you make yourself How do you strive to be a very happy person? The Wall Street Journal says these things. These are key. Value
4: community and close relationships, believe in God, and most of them are older. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, I, I did not read that article, so I was just listening to you talk about it like all of our listeners. A couple things jumped to mind. The first thing is if valuing community and close relationship and believing in God are things that contribute to very happiness yes very much happy um our role as christians in telling people about god in our churches should be easy
3: probably a lot easier than we're making it yeah you want to be happy hang out with us right Learn more about God and be part of our community as we go through this together. I think probably, you know, just like from the outside looking in, people who aren't part of a church community, who've never been part of a church community, or maybe have been burned in a church community go, that's too hard for me to walk into, too hard for me to sort of that's create like a, community. That's
4: like a club that I'm not a part of?
3: Yeah. Like they know each other already. So if I show up on a Sunday morning, especially I think if you've never been churched, how difficult that must be mm-hmm. to walk into a church.
4: Right. Oh, I can't imagine. It would be like walking into a group of non-native English speakers right. You'd or, or people who don't speak English at all. You feel like I'd, this is a whole different world. I wonder, uh, again, this comes up in our conversation pretty often on the show, is that when people who are outside the church look at us who are inside the church, it's often with a suspicion that we're judging Well, that person thinks that I'm a drunk. That person is mad I'm gay.
3: Or they said I'm a sinner.
4: That person said I'm... Right. That person said... I remember a guy coming into our church a couple years ago, and he was clearly drunk or on something. And uh, it was time to go in to the sanctuary. We were kind of milling around talking. And uh, he said... My husband said, well, it's time for church. Why don't you come in and worship with us? It was his first time. And he said, oh, no, no, I... I'm on something like I can't go in there. And my husband said, "If you're on something, if you if you need help, this is the place to go." So, mm. come on in with us because we're all here and we all need Did help. Did he come in? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, maybe if we had more of that and less of the like we look at we look like the morality police. Well, see,
3: so that uh, that goes to the heart of that campaign. He what gets campaign? us. Oh. Don't you think? When I see that, I go, oh, yeah. They do a good job, I think, of demystifying and showing us as broken and confused and as wretched as the rest of the world. Yeah. The only difference is...
4: No, I agree. That's a good point. Right. But how many Christians hate those ads? A lot.
3: What's the the problem?
4: Because they don't feel like it's theologically pure enough.
3: (laughs) I mean, well, then...
4: That might be why people think you're the morality police or the theology police. Yeah, I mean, people don't have to have be hitting all the perfect points of your theology no, no. to be acceptable.
3: I mean, if if I'm going to get to heaven, and there's going to be you know people debating theology, that's not going to happen in heaven. That's all going to be gone. Just get in there at first, right? Be part of that community, people. I, I know. I know theology is extremely important. Look, we've no, built we'll look our, at,
5: exactly. we built exactly. We have entire, a show, yeah, based
3: upon that,
4: right? But but major in the exactly. Don't major in the minors. Yeah,
3: we people do that so, to our detriment, to all of our detriment.
4: First Corinthians fifteen, hmm. I see these as issues of primary importance. Let's stick to those primary, primary things, and leave the secondary things to the secondary.
3: things. And maybe you. We'll be one of those very happy people. Maybe.
4: Coming up next, it's our National Poetry Month offering. Stay tuned.
9: Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks we just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempted to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your Retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800 900 8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800 900 8000. That's 800 900 8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800 900 8000.
5: Can you hear it? The cry of those living in darkness, in desperate need of hope. As their cries go up, we here at Cornerstone Television long to answer. We believe God is calling each of us for such a time as this to rise up and come to the battle line with the hope of Jesus Christ. Don't miss Cornerstone's Hope Arising special programming with Pastor Jim, Jason Howard, Matt Sorger, Apostle Connie Brooks, and Jay Gilbert. This is a special invitation for you to come to the battle line with us, to link arms and see hope arise. Our mission to reach the nations remains strong, but we can't fulfill our mission without you. Tune in April 24th through 28th at 8 p.m. and discover how to be a strong force of light in the darkness. Watch hope arising on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Verizon Fios Channel 505 or Channel 805 on Comcast Xfinity.
8: Foreman is the heavyweight champion of the world.
0: On April 28th, experience the movie based on the miraculous story of George Foreman.
8: George Foreman ain't no new champ. He is the new chuck. Foreman!
0: I'm not going to box anymore. I'm all following follow God. It's the greatest comeback story of all time. There's only two things I know how to do. Box and preach and preach and won't pay the bills.
13: Foreman's 45 years old. The risk isn't losing. It's surviving.
8: How can you beat that money? I'm going to lose
0: my way. Big George Foreman, exclusively movie theaters, April 28th, rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children
3: under 13.
9: My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold. Gold ...and silver. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call
3: 800-900-8000. April is National, national Poetry Month, mm. and... Um, I go back to when our kids were super little and we read, we read nonstop. I mean, there were, we had more books stacked around the house. Let's read this story. Let's read that story. And we often settled on Shel Silverstein. Oh, did you? I'm a fan. Kay. You a fan? Sure. Now it's approachable for a lot of, cause Shel Silverstein, uh, he works on a lot of different levels. I mean, the illustrations in his books, mm-hmm. fabulous. But his writing is so I would just say fun. Here's a show. Is this a giving tree? Yes. Okay. This is called Messy Room. Whosever room this is should be ashamed. His underwear is hanging on the lamp. His raincoat is there in the overstuffed chair, and the chair is becoming quite mucky and damp. His workbook is wedged in the window. His sweater's been thrown on the floor. His scarf and one ski are beneath the TV, and his pants have been carelessly hung on the door. His books are all jammed in the closet. His vest has been left in the hall. A lizard named Ed is asleep in his bed, and his smelly old sock has been stuck to the wall. Whose ever room this is should be ashamed. Donald or Robert or Willie or... Huh? You say it's mine? Oh, dear. I knew it looked familiar. Shell Silverstein. Yeah. Uh And kids love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Because there it is. You think it's one thing, and then it quickly, how he always does. Shell Silverstein's good. In a heartbeat, he turns it around. Right. Where you identify.
4: So don't be afraid of poems, right? Some of them are super fun. No. All right. Speaking of not being afraid, John, I've got a couple celebrity birthdays for you today. Oh, okay. On this day, April 24th, uh, two vocalists are celebrating a birthday. Okay. Mm -hmm. Together? uh, well, I don't think together. I'm not sure if they're friends. Uh, Kelly Clarkson is celebrating a birthday today. Oh, boy. I, Kelly Clarkson, uh, American Idol, I believe. She was American Idol, wasn't she? I, she was. I don't
3: know much about Kelly Clarkson.
4: Yeah, okay. Uh, she's a, a TV star now. She was on The Voice. She's a terrific singer. Any idea how, how old Cl- Kelly Clarkson is? Well, be? since
3: I know nothing about her, I'll just take a shot in the dark. Okay. I'll say she's... Uh, I'm going to go far away. She's 46.
4: No, she's 41. Okay. So that's no, not, not too bad, bad John. Right. Okay. And And um, today's Barbara Streisand's birthday. People. People who need people. Now, now listen, Funny Girl? I hate that song.
3: How about Funny Girl the movie?
4: It's okay. It's
3: a great movie. Okay. Come on.
4: She. I have a little bit of a hard time with her. but well, she's I mean, you ep- could. Of course you should. She's epically talented. Oh my gosh. Epically talented. I know that. Mm-hmm. But she's just so abrasive.
3: Well... She grew up in that era where, I mean, when she came on the scene, I mean, she was a superstar. Yes, she right? is a superstar. Yeah. How, How old do you she? think she is today? Barbara's getting up there. Is she? Uh. I mean, this might be a, a big one. She's eighty. She's eighty-one. Mmm.
4: That surprised me.
3: No, I didn't surprise No. Yeah,
4: in my head she was like seventy-one. Really? But that's okay, not the no. case. No, she's eighty-one.
3: Well, happy birthday to uh, uh, Kelly Clarkson and Barbara Streisand. And Barbara Streisand. All right. Uh huh. a lot of candles. Who are on you going to listen
4: to tonight if you're picking one?
3: Barbara Streisand. But I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm I mean, picking if I Kelly. had to. Really? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Have a great the night.
8: Ride Home with John and Kathy,
3: a production of Salem Media Group